Good morning. So, two at once. This is going to be exciting. So, the whole of the leadership are away this weekend, and um, Adam said that he felt that Jan or I should speak this morning, so you've got the bonus of it being Jan and I, which is always very exciting. We're going to be talking um, to you on the subject of contentment. I always think it's amazing, isn't it, when Josh is uh, preparing something and Keith's preparing something and the worship team is preparing something. None of us talk to one another and suddenly we're like, oh, it all fits together. It's like God's in charge, which is amazing. So I don't know if you were here last Sunday or watching it online last Sunday, but Joe Herbert James came and spoke to us on our uh, just justice vision 365. This is the last 365 talk that we will be doing. Um, for those of you who, yes, need to know what the things are happening. Joe's talk last week really stirred me and made me question why it's often so hard for us to be generous with our money, with our time, with our things. And her statement that the same things that keep the rich rich are the things that make the poor poor and keep them in poverty really struck me. That the things that hurt the poor are the things that sometimes bless me. I found very difficult. And Jesus has been uh, using the phrase, the gospel of less, to me this week. What does that mean? Well, the gospel is about truth. Gospel, the gospel truth, we often say, don't we? And that's it. It's the truth of having less. So what is that? And what does God want us to learn? Jesus came to the poor of this world. He spoke for the poor and against the rich. In a society 2,000 years ago, which, well, if, they, if the rich of 2,000 years ago were to meet the poorest of us, they would think our lifestyle was magic. Unimaginable. We know that we're rich on the world stage, and yet we don't feel it. I don't feel rich. We feel insecure because people around us are richer. And we know that life happens to everyone. We know that sickness or tragedy can strike, disasters happen, and our worlds fall apart. The truth is that many of the homeless people in this world were once living good lives as did most of the women we find in refuges. Businesses go bankrupt, divorces happen. Good people fall into addiction, mental health fails. Sickness means we can't work, benefits don't come in or aren't enough, or we don't find ourselves eligible for the ones we think we should be. So we try and prepare and build ourselves a security net, make ourselves feel safe and secure. But even then... 
as Adam likes to tell us about the, everyone needing 20% more, we don't necessarily feel safe or secure. So, as always, we need to find out what the Bible says about this feeling of insecurity, about this need to accumulate wealth and things and status to make us feel safe. If I can have the PowerPoint up, it's great. Uh, Matthew 6, 19 to 21 says... He's thinking about saying. Harley's an amazing man who's having trouble with the technology. <laughs> oh, it is behind me. It's just not up there. It's over there. Thank you, Steph. It's not pantomime, I promise, but it was behind me. It, it usually is a bit of a pantomime with us too. Okay, there we go. It says, I don't know, you can see it there. Do not store up yourself for yourself treasures on earth where moths and vermin destroy and where thieves break in and steal. But store up for yourselves treasures in heaven where moths and vermin do not destroy and where thieves do not break in and steal. For where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. When reading uh, the Gospels and the words of Jesus, he spends an awful lot of his time speaking about wealth and trying to free us from our dependence on it. So, what is the focus of our hearts? For where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. Where is your treasure? And how can we store up treasure in the right places so that we put less emphasis on what we have? Paul tells us in Philippians that, I have learned to be content Whatever the circumstances, I know what it is to be in need, and I know what it is to have plenty. I have learned the secret of being content in every situation, whether well fed. or hungry, whether living in plenty or in want, I can do all things through Christ Jesus, who gives me strength. Paul had discovered the secret to being content, and it didn't have anything to do with the situation he found himself in or the wealth he had. He had learned that strength and security is found when we fully put our trust in Jesus. He focused his heart on loving Jesus and following where he led. Jesus was his treasure, 
and had his heart. So now some of us might be thinking, okay, but actually money doesn't have a hold on me. Wealth doesn't have a hold on me. Great. So what does? What is the treasure that we, that you, that I are seeking? Relationships? Good food? Sport? Health? Making everybody happy? Having everything under control? Pulling other people down to make myself feel better? What other people think of me? Status in the church? Status in your company? To be the best at everything? All earthly things are fragile. Things of heaven, things of Jesus are not. Okay, I'd like us to look at Jeremiah 29, 10 to 14. This is what the Lord says. When 70 years are completed for Babylon... I will come to you and fulfill my good promise to bring you back to this place. For I know the plans I have for you, declares the Lord. And I will bring you back from captivity. That's the end. Okay, so what I want to pull out from this is the 70 and the Babylon. I looked up, and in, uh, in the Bible, Scripture, numbers are hugely significant, and they always have a rich meaning. And the number 70 um, in the Scripture means perfection and completeness and God's law, and it also means perfect spiritual order carried out with power. Babylon, the literal translation is gate of God, which clearly Babylon was not. Babylon was the complete counterfeit of the gate of God. And Babylon signifies the opposition to the rule of God by world powers or the exile of God's people from the land of blessing. In every situation we are in, God has an ongoing direction that will bring blessing. Romans 8.28 The big and the small situations, the more we connect with God to see this, the quicker we become at recognizing it as a possibility and then embracing it and seeing God in each circumstance bring his perfect spiritual order with his power. It is so much easier to let go of things if you hold them lightly. In one of my times with God, um, I believe God said to me, tread lightly on the earth. It's quite a challenge to tread lightly on the earth. 
if it's people that you struggle to give to God, then giving to God the people that you love is a very holy thing. I remember with both my children when they were small, coming to that moment in time when God said to me, will you give them back to me? And that terror, that, that awesome terror of, of acknowledging that, that I had to let go and then the realization that I wasn't letting them go into a great nothingness. I was letting them go into the safety of God's hands. And that's what we're looking at here. There is this huge tension between God's perfection and Babylon, between the rule of everything and and, and with the circumstances that we're in. going to move on Ollie oh oh yeah oh we were supposed to do the end but you're right that's supposed to be you and not to Hans yeah yeah supposed <laughs> to give you hope you're quite right and a future then you will call on me yeah, yeah <laughs> come to pray other. to me yeah I will listen to you you will seek me and find me I'm so sorry then when you seek me with all of your heart I will be found by you When you seek me with all of your heart, I will be found by you, says the Lord. Because the Lord is our shepherd and we will lack nothing. So if Babylon is the culture and the society we live in, and Jesus is the kingdom of God, where do we choose to find our treasure? Do we find our treasure in Babylon Or do we find our treasure in God? Do we put our heart on needing success, status, wealth? Or do we put our heart into Jesus? Paul Paul told us that he has learned to be content. Now, learning is an active phrase. It takes time. Seeking first the kingdom is also an active phrase. They are input-driven. They are get up and do it or sit there and think it. They are things that we have to do. It's a lifelong educational process. Those who think that they are out of school will find that contentment needs for you to go back. And the secret is surrender, as Jan said. The secret is to surrender ourselves, our children, our lives to Jesus. True contentment comes from accepting Christ and having faith that in him there is everything you need and that he is sufficient. Now, Jan and I have had a really difficult week this week. Um, 
it's interesting. When you do a talk on contentment, you will spend the whole of the week before trying to find any. It's true. It's been a really, really hard week. And yet, in the midst of it, I know that I have drawn on a deep well of practicing contentment that I have created over many, many years. I, um, I have a chronic illness right now. I don't look like a chronic illness, and we praise God for that. I have a chronic illness, and oh, contentment in the midst of sickness is a tricky one, especially when it's long-term, especially when days look dark and victory Victory for me some days would look like getting out of bed and making dinner for the family. That was it. That was my victory. That was my little victory. It's hard when life is difficult. But there would be declarations that I would make in that time. And those of you who know me well will know that I would constantly tell you that God was good. That God is good because our words have power. We speak them over ourselves. We say, God is good in the midst of the good days and in the midst of the bad days. And even when we don't believe that to be true, even when in our heart we're going, yes, God is still good. Just speaking them out gives them reality, gives them power in our lives. We believe as Christians that words are powerful things. We know not as Christians that words are powerful things. You can cut people's hearts open with a word. You can destroy. And as Josh said, you can encourage and you can build up. And as Christians, we are called to encourage and build up. We need to learn to declare. And we need to learn to dig wells. Um, I have spent my entire Christian life practicing what joy and contentment looks like in tiny little moments often I have a store of them if if when I get into a circumstance where I start to wobble and shake I draw on these memories (laughs) moments with God and go oh yes I remember God and then I will have a new moment here and now I have a very, very tangible memory of being on a bouncy castle with the children, lying on a bouncy castle looking up at the sky. And there are moments that I draw on that memory and go, oh, yes, God was there. Oh, I remember. And then it's like inviting God back in, into this place inside me that starts to wobble. We have to practice what contentment looks like. We have to practice in the good days when we have everything, so that in the bad days we can still say that God is good. Okay. To be content in any and every circumstance requires dying to self. Not just the physical things that Sarah can talk with huge amount of knowledge and integrity and inspiration for us. Our self wants to be heard, it wants to be treated well, and it wants to be respected. When we are not heard, when we are misheard, 
when we are judged, wronged, or disregarded, that's when everything in ourself rises up. But what it does is it robs us of living in that place of I can be content in all circumstances. There is nothing content about that well of feeling of being wronged or mistreated or misjudged or misrepresented. misrepresented. Mm-hmm. And yet, in a circumstance where loads of emotions were, were wrestling with one another, the thing that broke it for me, the thing that came and changed my whole attitude and direction of facing was when I read the scriptures in Luke 23, 33 and 34. There they nailed Jesus to the cross. He hung between two criminals. One was on his right hand, one was on his left. And Jesus said, Father, forgive them. They don't know what they're doing. At one level, they knew exactly what they were doing. They were nailing Jesus to a cross. There was no question of, oh, well, they didn't really mean to do that. They absolutely meant to do that. And in a lot of our challenging relational struggles, it doesn't even come close to that. People generally do not really go out to get us. There's a combination of factors. But when I looked at that and I thought, there was Jesus can't be any more pain than that and even in that he said let it fall to the ground let it fall to the ground because I choose to live with unconditional never-ending love and in the face of that whatever petty feelings I had towards the situation well they just fell to the ground It was like, whoa, do you know what? I'm really not going to waste the emotional energy. It's really not even worth going back and going, the you said, I said, I didn't say, but you said, and I didn't say, and I didn't mean that. Do you know what? It was just a waste of time. Because when you come to the bottom of it, it's just love. It's just love. That's, That's what we're called to do. And love gives us the ability to live content in all circumstances. In Psalm 23, there's a beautiful book that Dallas Willard Willard wrote, um, A Life Without Lack, and it's a devotional on Psalm 23, A Life Without Lack. The Lord is my shepherd. I lack nothing. In the Philippian scripture, the Holy Spirit gives us, we don't have the strength to do that in our own selves. I can't swallow my pride, my need to be heard, my need to be right, my need not to be wrong, which is probably bigger for me than my need to be right. It's not to be wrong. Work that one out. Do you know, I can't do it myself, but when I'm hit by the power of scripture, then I can say, God, burn it out of me, because there's no place. There's no place for it. Hebrews 13, 5-7 says, 
Keep your lives free from the love of money, the love of status. Add in whatever you think God is challenging you on today. And be content with what you have. Because God has said. I will never leave you. Never will I forsake you. So we say with confidence, the Lord is my helper. I will not be afraid. What can mere mortals do to me? Remember your leaders who spoke the word of God to you. Consider the outcome of their way of life and imitate their faith. As Jen says, this is why we all need to be grounded, rooted, established in scripture. It's very easy to get by on what we say to you but it's very easy to live if you are actually immersed in scripture day by day. When I read that, the Lord is my helper, I will not be afraid. I need to know and say with confidence like it tells me. So we say with confidence, the Lord is my helper, I will not be afraid. That's a declaration, and that's a choice. It's a choice to be content, to not be afraid, because God is always with us. And we need to trust that God loves us. Toby said a little about this last week. We need to trust God loves us, because to be free and generous people... We need to be safe and secure on the inside. We need to have that treasure of Jesus on the inside with us so that we can be living lightly in this world and being generous and free with our lives. And that actually brings more freedom to ourselves than you can imagine. If you are free and content, my goodness, There is a lightness to your spirit that will sustain you. So, the beginning of the beginning of contentment is also thankfulness. So, in a second, we're going to stand together. I'm going to read the prayer. It's going to come up on the screen. If you want to say it with us, if you want to choose contentment to be your way of life great I also understand it's a lot of words English isn't always our first language if you just want to say amen at the end that's really fine too and if it's an aspiration for you well in the same way that I used to say God is good knowing it to be true but not feeling it it's okay to actually give it your amen and go this is what I want 
this is not anywhere near where I am. So if we can stand together. Lord Jesus, forgive us when we think more about what we don't have rather than what we do. So, Lord Jesus, we thank you that we live in the UK, one of the wealthiest countries in the world. We thank you that when we get sick, we can all freely access medical care. We thank you that flawed as it may well be, There is a benefit system in this country. We thank you. We are free to worship without fear. We thank you that food is accessible, even through Lord's Larder, and water runs from taps in our homes. We thank you there is access to energy, that schooling is free to all. There is so much to be grateful for. Forgive us, Lord, when we think more about what we don't have rather than what we do. Lord, be our treasure. Let our hearts be focused on you. Help us to find peace and contentment in you that flows into a sense of security and safety that is unshakable so that we can choose to say, I have learned to be content, whatever the circumstances. I know what it is to be in need, and I know what it is to have plenty. I have learned the secret of being content in any and every situation, whether well-fed or hungry, Whether living in plenty or in want, I can do all things through Christ who gives me strength. Amen. Please be seated. If if there's anything that's come up that you feel that you need to stand with somebody, pray something through, please feel free to do that. Um, We are now going to invite the band to come up, but we're going to do, we're just going to focus on the last verse of this um, scripture, which said, remember your leaders who spoke the word of God to you, consider the outcome of their way of life, and imitate their faith. Um, A few weeks ago, Someone came to me. Do they want to come up or not? No. Um, And said that they felt that our words, that we needed to repent as a church for some of the words, some of the things that we've been saying about the leadership team. Now, this happens when you're discontent, and we live in a world of discontentment, And let's face it, the leaders of our country at the moment aren't doing many good things for us to be proud of. We live in a culture of 
blame and criticism. We live in a culture that says, oh, if only they did it this way, or if only this happened, or if only that happened. And our words, this person was saying, can be like vines and brambles and thorns around the feet of our leadership team. Now, they aren't here this week, so we felt that it was a really good opportunity for us to hear this word. Because they aren't bringing it. Jan and I used to be leaders quite a long time ago. I prayed, I had the privilege of praying for this new leadership team in the midst of the pandemic and commissioning them. And they are new. And some of them are young. And isn't that marvelous? Isn't that amazing? Because they have time and they have energy and they have room to grow into everything they're going to be. Do they all get everything right all the time? No, they do not. Is moving the gateway sometimes like moving a huge ship that is really difficult to turn? Yes, it jolly well is and it always has been. Are they good at communication? No! <laughs> Do we love them? Yes. Yes. Yes, we do. But sometimes our words impact our hearts. Sometimes when we're going, I wish they'd done this, and if only they'd done it that way, it would be much better. I wish they'd told me this sooner, and they should. It changes our hearts, and we lose our peace, and we lose our contentment, and they get tangled up because our words have power. And it can knock them down, and if our leaders fall down, well, Scripture tells us when one falls, we help them up. And the way that as a church we can help them up is stand before God and say sorry. Now, you might not have said anything, but there's a culture. And I would like to ask God to change the culture. I don't want to live in Babylon where everything is about grabbing and tearing and being the best. I want to live in the kingdom of God where it's about humility and encouragement and building one another up. Yeah, I mean, we're going to move into some really interesting times, I believe, over the next months, probably years. Um, and actually, they have difficult decisions to bring before us. Um, and I look at these people and I know some of the incredible stresses that they have faced and walked through um, in these last couple of COVID years. And I look at them and to me, every one of their faces says, will you love me? Will you love me? I don't need to be right. They don't need to be right. They just need us to love them as they love us. And they wouldn't do this job if they didn't love us because it's really hard. It's really hard. We, we've been there. We know. And I tell you, when I came off the leadership team, the spiritual weight that came off my shoulders was enormous. They carry so much for us. And we need to be kind and love them and build them up. So I know this is unusual, but we're going to ask you to stand and we're going to...
pray again. Honestly, if we could have had communion, we would, but we live in COVID land, so we can't. So if we could stand together. I'm going to pray. And please, if you can put your amen to this, even if you've never had a negative thought about the leadership team or the building or the way things run, please put your amen to it because it will move things in the spirit and it will change things because it's a choice we make to be for our leaders, to be for our leaders. Lord Jesus, I want to thank you for each one of our leaders, for Lisa and Chris and Sarah and Rosie and Claire and Adam and Malcolm and Rachel and Joe and Julie and Toby and John and Rob and Simon, there we go. See, he's up here all the time and I'm rubbish with names. Oh, Jesus, forgive me. (laughs) Forgive us, Lord. We live in a culture of blame. We live in a culture of criticism. We live in a culture where our leaders in the country feel a little bit like they're letting us down at times. But we don't want to live like that because we are the kingdom of God. I want to declare, Lord Jesus, that we are the kingdom of God. And we will be different. We will choose to encourage our leaders to build them up, to hold them up in prayer. Forgive us, Father. Forgive me. Forgive every one of us that has thought or spoken or done things that are against our leadership, that criticize, that pull down. Forgive us, Lord, when we think we know better, but we don't know everything. Forgive us, Lord, and release each one of them into the fullness of life for them. Protect them from the enemy. Unwrap these thorns and briars from around their feet so that as a church we can move forward and be the kingdom of God in this place. Thank you, Lord. Amen.